freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 432 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is, I really don't want to say it because I don't like to put these three words in one sentence, (laughs) politics, mental health, and guns. Mm. They don't work together. Mm. And our guest is Sandra Richardson. Sandra was a victim of the New York Safe Act and a false reporting concerning her mental health. Sandra is a gun owner, was the subject of a false New York Safe Act report. Thankfully, the court determined the report against her was arbitrary or an abuse of discretion, and her rights were restored. After that ordeal, she brought together data that clearly shows that the New York Safety Act was created a very large barrier to mental health care and is ineffective to capturing its target population, which we see all the time now. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Sandra. And I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And it's really a pleasure to meet both of you. Um, yeah, I'm sorry it happened to me too. But, you know, we, we have to take the experiences we're handed in life and try and turn those lemons into lemonade, um, which is what I've been doing. And it's taken quite some time. Um, so I could, do you want me to, to, to dig into what happened a little bit? Yes, yeah. just dive right in. Where to start? Okay. So first I'm going to say, this is my disclaimer. Okay. I'm speaking about my experiences, my research, and my opinions. Mm-hmm. This research that I went dug into was done without any financial support, and I am not representing any employer or organization. Now, why do I say that, dear listeners? <laughs> because in June of 2023, I did retire from New York State Department of Health. But none of this research that I did was done on their time or with their resources. And I think that's very important to put out there because when we're reading literature about issues or health or whatever we're reading, we really have to consider where the funding sources are coming from because that will dictate what results are permitted to be released. Mm. So what I've done was done on my own. There was no organization behind it saying, thou shalt do this and it needs to look this way. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's my little disclaimer. Um, So who am I? Okay, so we all wear a lot of hats in life, right? You and I probably wear different hats. All the listeners out there, you know, you have your own hats that you're wearing. Um, The ones that come to mind for me, I'm a daughter. I'm a sibling. I have this all written down. So if you see me looking to the side, that's why Uh, (laughs) I'm a a spouse. I'm a mom. I'm a grandmother to two wonderful young children. 
Um, I'm a friend to many. I'm a colleague. I'm a mentor. I'm, I'm a lot of different things, um, depending on the circumstance, right? Just, just as we all are. And, and that's good. We have whole, full lives with a lot of, of great things going on. Things that I enjoy. Like we all, we all like different things. I'm going to say a common theme of this audience is we all like guns, right? I also enjoy hiking. Um, my husband and I do a lot of off-trail hiking, and in that circumstance, I think it's really important to carry a gun because, yeah, there's there's bears and things. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, there, there are things out there in the woods. But I enjoy gardening. I enjoy hiking. I enjoy fishing. I enjoy hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say I, I did get a white-tailed deer on the first day of muzzle-loading season this year. So I was kind nice. of happy about that. Nice. Right? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so who, who else am I? What, what other hats do I wear? Um, in terms of my educational background, I have a bachelor's degree in nursing and master of science degree in epidemiology. So what is that? People often go with epi, that has to do with skin. No, epidemiology is the study of population health. <laughs> so it's, it's derived from the same word as epidemic to put it into place. I've worked in clinical settings. Um, and most recently, as I said, I, I worked for the New York State Department of Health as a research scientist for uh, 14 years before I retired. Um, mm-hmm. So I did population health research. So it's a thing. It's a skill set that I have. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to share not, information not just about what happened to me, but about the information I've dug up since then. And I'm going to tell you, you get to be the first people to put it out there on the, on the radio. My research paper was published yesterday in a peer-reviewed journal. Congratulations. Called, yep, the Archives of Epidemiology and Public Health Research has, has nice. published my paper. And it, it took quite a bit to find a peer-reviewed professional journal that would publish it mm-hmm. because of the bias against guns. Yes. It's ridiculous. What happened to the scientists, the unbiased scientists in the world? It is insane to me. Yeah. Politics doesn't have a place in healthcare, but unfortunately it has crept in. Okay. So what happened to me? Um, So in April, 2020, I was really stressed out. Okay. We all turn back the wheels of time and think about it. Really contentious political climate at the time. Um, we had a lot going on early in the pandemic mm-hmm. as somebody in my role at the New York State Department of Health, I was doing a lot of new work. I was part of the team that was tossed right into all the data, right? I'm, I'm a certified SAS programmer, it's just a statistical analysis software. So we were doing all the data analysis, right? And mm-hmm. so there was that going on. And then we all have home stuff, right? We all have things in our lives that go on that, that can come together and cause a lot of stress. So Mm -hmm. I reached a place um, where it was really interfering with my ability to function. I was not sleeping for days. I was having a lot of trouble eating. And I was like, you know, that's not a good place to be. Yeah. I need some guidance in dealing with all the stress because whatever Mm -hmm. our pile of stressors may be is not as relevant as the fact that we recognize that and say, huh, what am I going to do about this? Right. And deal with it. Yeah. So in That's dealing healthy with that, to do that. Exactly. Exactly. It's healthy to take good care of yourself, whether it's your physical health or your mental health. Um, so I sought, I sought care. 
right? I sought guidance for dealing with this pile of stressors that was interfering with my ability to function on a daily basis. Calling around, there's nowhere that you can get an appointment to talk to somebody for like two or three weeks. So I went to the only place where I could get care, which was at a crisis center. Mm. I was there for eh, a couple hours, mm-hmm. talked to a couple of people, and went home. No medications, right. no, no admission, nothing. Right. Five weeks later, mm-hmm. I find out that they reported me under the New York Safe Act Mental Hygiene Law 9.46. So, so this is a different law than red flag laws that were recently passed. Okay. Um, so I'm talking just about the Safe Act Mental Hygiene Law 9.46. And I was notified by a phone call from the sheriff's department that basically said, yeah, somebody reported you and we want all your guns. All the guns in your house to include my husband's gun. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. So this is five weeks later. So let's, let's let that sink in a minute. So the premise of this reporting is they're, they're supposed to report people who are a risk of an imminent risk of harm to themselves or others. Imminent. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. So they basically said, go on home. Everything's fine. They didn't keep me. Right. Yeah. And five weeks later, what, what could I have done in five weeks if I really was a risk of harm? Right. So, okay. So this law doesn't protect anybody. <laughs> Let's just no. start with that straight mm-hmm. up. Um, so, so anyway, we, we worked through this process. Um, I turned in one gun, the one gun that was listed on, on the order to show cause that came a week after the call from the sheriff's department. Um, and the sheriff's department held that until this whole thing resolved. Any other guns? We talked to the sheriff and they were under lock and key. And my husband promised that I couldn't have the key. <laughs> so, so that made them happy. Right. That right. complied with their right. picture of the way things should be. But they literally did want all of them until he, my husband stepped in and was like, we were on the phone with the sheriff. He's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You're taking mm-hmm. my rights away because somebody right. lied about my wife. Right? right. So anyway, I got this notification in the mail. It was called an order to show cause. It came with a court date. Mm-hmm. So I called a lawyer. I requested copies of all my medical records and reached out to trusted healthcare professionals and said, hey, this this happened. I need you to write something saying whether or not you felt I was suicidal or homicidal during this time frame. And so I got a a bunch of those letters together and I was talking to somebody about my stress, Um, got that person to write a letter, went to court with my lawyer and thousands of dollars. And the judge wrote in, in the conclusion of law, is the document they, they call it, the conclusion of law, that the report filed against me was, and this is a quote, arbitrary, capricious, or an abuse of discretion. And my yes. rights were reinstated immediately. But it took four months from the time I sought care until I got my gun back. And money, too. And money, too. Thousands of dollars. Thousands. Right? And okay. if you were stressed before, how stressed are you now oh my God. that your rights are being trampled and your property is being seized capriciously? It was 
it magnified my stress level beyond your imagination. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it didn't protect anybody from harm because even though I'm, even though they're going to report me, right? Go on home, and we're going to tell you five weeks later that we want your guns, right? Crazy. And then, and then they increased my stress level, right? Mm-hmm. So if they thought I was a risk of harm before, well, what would they think <laughs> now, right? Right. But, but, but mm. honestly, in my medical records, it, there's absolutely nothing that that would meet the reporting standard. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm quoted in that medical record as saying, I have no intention of harming myself or anyone else. No thoughts, mm-hmm. no plans, nothing. Mm-hmm. But they filed this anyway. So I'm gonna call the person who filed that an activist. Um, mm-hmm. That activist went ahead and filed it. It played out, I lost trust in healthcare providers, which mm-hmm. is kind of ironic because I'm a registered nurse. I'm saying, I don't don't trust them anymore. And I don't trust them because of this law. This law has turned healthcare providers against their patients to carry out a political agenda that has nothing to do with healthcare. Yeah. Right. Right. So interestingly enough, since this all happened, I now know a lot of other people that this has happened to. Well, it's a terrible fraternity to be a part of, uh, but I'm glad that you're using it. And I just, I want to touch on when you said that you no longer trust the the mental health community, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The reason that we know each other is because of a group that's actively working to build that bridge and rebuild trust. And that's Walk the Talk America, Michael Sodini and Jake Wischgerson. Um, uh, you've been on their show before and on Noggin Notes before. And and they uh, reached out and said, Cheryl, you are going to love Sandra. And they're right. I'm so glad that they All introduced right. us. Something that's bothering me really bad. Yeah. Okay. So this red flag laws and this New York mental health law, you went to a facility to get help. You needed help. Right. They, they let you go home two hours later. If you were a, if you were so important that they needed to notify the sheriff that you had guns, exactly, they should point. have never let you walk out that door. Exactly her point. And the and other five, but but I'm not an educated guy, and I can get this. <laughs> the other thing that really bothers me is, we're going to come get your guns. Well how many guns are you going to come and get? Because you don't know how many guns I own. And the but third right. one, the most important at all of all is you don't need a gun to cause harm. Right. Exactly. If, if you're, you know, you're the tool that if you were a person that needed to be protected, you are the reason you are the one they need to take care of and, and not Quarantine. the stuff around you. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. so it's like, why i'm just a normal guy why can't the people who are educated see that what good does it do to take somebody who is mentally disturbed whether you know temporary or whatever what good does it do to put them to let them go there's so many tools out there a person could use exactly that's all you're right you're right and walk to talk america the folks there are are doing a fabulous job um yeah and and you're a hundred percent right that if they believed that I was a risk of harm to myself or anyone else, mm-hmm. 
they should have kept me there and they did not. And so, I yeah, want to interrupt wanted... one more time. One more thing. Mm -hmm. The most valuable tool is your husband because he's with you every day. He knows you. He would know right. whether or not that maybe we should take the guns away. And there is, there's ways to do that. Put them in safe storage, uh, keep my guns, stuff like, stuff like that. Hold so guns, it, the, it, the problem is these people, they, they're politically driven. They want to make, yep. they want to make a statement. Mm -hmm. They don't care that it costs you thousands of dollars. They don't care that it costs you pain mm -hmm. or your family pain. Right. So are they really there to help you if they're doing stuff like that? Well, exactly. Her no, point. I'm sorry. It just made me so angry. I was thinking <laughs> now he's because, riled yeah, up because it's like these, it's so stupid. These people think the red flag laws are the savior and they're not yeah. at all. Well, and that's, and that's what my research, you know, goes into. Um, so, so I got my rights back and I, I wanted to understand more about how this law was really impacting the public. Um, because yeah, it made me angry too. It made me angry that this happened to me. Um, and after I did, you know, I've done, I think five podcasts on different platforms. I've written a couple articles. I've had articles written about me. Um, I now have this research paper published. So I've been very vocal about this, which is unusual for me. I am, I'm not a, I'm not a person who likes to be out there. I'm a, sort of a reserved person, right? <laughs> I mind my business and, and do my thing and, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's, it's unusual for me to be putting myself out there publicly and particularly in, in the area of mental health and guns, because those are so politically hot. It just, mm -hmm. people have opinions one way or another. They have beliefs, whether they're based on fact or not is another story. Mm -hmm. um, so this, because of this made me, this experience made me very angry and I found it very disturbing. I have gone on the record and I am putting myself out there because this should not happen to anyone. Yeah. Not only should it not happen to individuals, it shouldn't be happening to our communities and our public at large. This reporting, as my research shows, undermines public health. It does not yeah. support it. Yes. All right. So I used my skills um, that, that I used when I was working with the Department of Health um, to dig into the issue. And I said, there has to be data. It took yeah. me a year to find anything. Like I asked everywhere. I submitted freedom of information requests all over the place. Most of them were dead ends. Mm -hmm. um, but I did find data from the New York State Office of Mental Health and from the New York State Department of Criminal Justice Services. Another thing that really burns me about this is, is basically you get reported to criminal justice services for seeking health care. Wow. Like they, they're turning this, they're turning mental health care into crime almost. Yeah. You know, it, it, it shouldn't yes. be that way. It's, everyone should be comfortable seeking care. But laws like this turn that upside down and people are not comfortable seeking care. So um, I started digging into this um, and, and the paper that came out yesterday is, is titled Codified Barriers to Mental Health Care, an example from New York State. Um, so a barrier to care is basically something that stops people from getting adequate health care, right? So you can think of things like, um, let's say, like health literacy, um, lack of, of providers would be barriers to care, right? Those are some common ones. But policy can also be a barrier to care, right? So New York's laws, all right in there. Um, something that's codified 
you know, the word codified in the title is, is put into law, right? And we think about, you know, tax laws or, or codes, right? There's, there's lots of codes, there's driving regulations, there's all kinds of things. Um, so New York put into their law barriers to mental health care. Yes. The New York yeah. SAFE Act is, is used as an example to show how big that barrier is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to show actually that not only is it a barrier to seeking care, it is ineffective mm-hmm. at capturing its target population. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So I got the, the data from um, Department of Criminal Justice Services. So in, and that's what I use in, in digging digging through to understand what was happening. So the reports go through an online form to the Office of Mental Hygiene of the state, right? They send it to the county um, director of community services who basically, it's like, it's, it's like they check, it's like a checkoff or something. You know, I don't know what their form looks like, but they go, oh, yep, it's a mandated reporter. And it looks like they said something reasonable to say this person's a risk of harm to themselves or others. So there's, there's no double check that the report right. is even accurate. And the law recently updated now allows people with as little training, and this is not to put these people down, their jobs are valuable, as a licensed practical nurse or licensed vocational nurse to make these reports. So somebody who has no authority to diagnose suicidal right. ideology or homicidal ideology, because that's what you're really looking for. Those, right. are, those are medical diagnoses with billable ICD codes. Mm-hmm. People who have no authority to make that diagnosis are putting in reports through channels that don't get reviewed by anybody for an independent second opinion. What could possibly after, go wrong? <laughs> and, and then after, after the... Um, Director of Community Services, you know, just checks. It's a mandated reporter, and they said something reasonable and sends it off to criminal justice. You get put in a database where you can't own guns for five years, period. Mm, Okay. Now, I got those numbers. I got those numbers from um, the Department of Criminal Justice Services. And for the four years I looked at, and I'm going to look down at my numbers so I get it right here, um, it's about 18,000. database searches a year. So the Department of Criminal Justice Services gets the information. Mm-hmm. They hit it against the handgun registry because in New York State, if you have a handgun, you have to have a handgun permit. That, that's, that's the rules here. Right. Well, guess what? I happen to have a handgun permit. So when my report made its way all the way to um, Criminal Justice Services mm-hmm. and they did their database search to see if I had a handgun, I did. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I got a day in court. Wow. Guess what else? Hmm. I asked them in my freedom of information request, not just how many database searches they did at uh, Division of Criminal Justice Services, but also how many of those were reported back to the county. Because if you have a handgun permit, they report to the county. The county sends you the order to show cause with a court date. Okay. Only 1% of those 18,000 per year database searches get reported to the county. That means 99% of the people reported under this law have no way to challenge the report. 
Wow. You're, you're not ever allowed to see the report. Wow. You are not told there's a report. There's no mechanism to let you know that you're now in this state database, mm-hmm. that you can't own guns. Mm-hmm. So there's probably a lot of people out there who are in the database that have no idea. Oh, my gosh. I need to put okay. this on my list of 583 reasons why not to live in New York. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I'm so angry. It's just almost like, did you even attempt to go after the person that gave you that uh, uh, recommendation? Oh, wait, you're going to love this even more. I'm not sure the I am. <laughs> so, I did, I did try. I did try. Um, because filing a false report is in mm-hmm. fact professional misconduct under the New mm-hmm. York State Office of the Profession. Mm-hmm. And I did file professional misconduct um, things, right? Um, and bottom line, you can't hold them accountable because it states right in Mental Hygiene Law 90.46 that if they file, in, if the report is filed in good faith, there can be no criminal or civil penalties who said they did so it tell in good me faith? What, so what is good faith yeah i don't know i don't she know. believe but i don't she think believed it she believed wow. it she believed yeah. it i don't think so, lying is good faith no no but he believed it or she made herself believe it wow right. this is so this is crazy she thought what she was doing was right um yeah, and her name was Alexandra Stark. I put her name out there because people need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, she thought what she was doing was right, and it was wrong. It, it was, you know, there is the problem with this whole process is there is no, um, there are no checks and balances, right? Bias against guns goes unchecked. Clinical misjudgment is going unchecked. Ignorance of the law goes unchecked. Mm-hmm. There's a reporting standard that goes with this. There have to be threats of harm or acts, right? And, right. and if there aren't any, there shouldn't be a report. So, but apparently some of these people are ignorant of what the reporting standard is. Yes. Um, and, and so that's a problem too. So yeah, a lot of reasons not to move to New York. The only reason I'm still here is because my grandchildren are here. Um, yeah, so, so moving on to this. So, um, so, so what did I find bringing this all together? Okay. Yes. I'm going to put the paper in front of me. Okay. What I found, pulling data together, I pulled data from, as I said, the the Department of Criminal Justice Services. Um, I pulled census data from the U.S. Census for New York State. It's available online. Um, uh, There's like National Mental Health and Substance Abuse Administration data that you can pull down that, that talks about like what percentage of the population would be suicidal, homicidal, that kind of thing. And I pulled in published literature on, on this kind of stuff and, and brought that all together. And and what I found was this reporting, this 18,000 on average a year, is only capturing 2.7% of its target population. Wow. Of people who are you know, suicidal and or homicidal, according to the federal government's docu- you know, documentation on those numbers, right? So it's really ineffective. Yes. And and that percentage is probably an overestimate. It's probably actually smaller. And the the reason I say, say that is because we know for a fact that not yeah. all the reports are true. Right. 
right? And you're, so you're living a, proof of that. A, exactly. So if there's a chunk of them that are false, then the 2.7% is probably smaller. Mm -hmm. So it's really ineffective at capturing a target population. But what it's very effective at is preventing people from seeking mental health care. Yes. Oh, All right. Terrible. So using the information um, that I found, all that data that I found and, and the other literature, about 9% of the people um, are expected that they're less likely to seek care because the law exists. And that's from a research paper written by um, a group of psychiatrists at, out in central New York. Uh, the, the lead author on that is Charter. And, and so they found that 9% of people in their study are less likely to seek care because of the law. They also found that like 23 or 24% are less likely to be honest yes. with their healthcare provider because of the law. Yeah. Right. So, so you're not you're not going to get effective care if you can't tell the truth, right? So that's a problem, right? You can't that's tell the right. truth because you're afraid your rights are going to be lost. Mm -hmm. So you're probably not going to be getting the best care because you need that open communication. Mm -hmm. um, Sandra, when they when you when you went to that office the first time, did they screen you? And were one of the questions is, do you own firearms? I don't remember if it was asked in that manner, but there was conversation about firearms. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I just remember I went to my, my, my doctor was a very friendly firearms guy, but he retired. Mm -hmm. So I went to another doctor to interview mm -hmm. for them to be my care doctor. And one of the questions they asked me is if I owned firearms and I walked out of the office, mm -hmm. I wouldn't yeah. even answer and that. that. And so I was just curious if they asked you that in the introduction. It was part of the conversation. I don't remember the context of exactly how it was brought up. Mm -hmm. um, would it be something I'd ever discuss with a healthcare provider again? Absolutely not. Right. Um, and that's unfortunate because as Walk the Talk America folks would tell you, if, if you know, target shooting or hunting is, is part of your life and that's, that's part of your hobby, you know, it's, it's how you're connecting, you know, in your social circles, you don't want to take that away from people. And you want to know that because you want to encourage them to be engaged with their support system. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so that's, a, it's an issue. It's a problem that that conversation becomes a political hot potato because it's being used for political motives, not to support people's health and well-being. Right. right? Absolutely. So, you know, Right. So what I found was that about, you know, given the, the number of gun owners in the state and everything, for every one report that's filed under the SAFE Act, there are 16 gun owners who are less likely to seek mental health care. Right. And if you yes. look, turn, turn it through a different lens, right? If you look at it in terms of people who have sought mental health care in the past year, mm -hmm. For every one report that's filed, there are 12 of those people less likely to seek mental health care mm. well, because Sandra, the law exists. Sandra, I think that another thing is, and I, I'm not positive on this, but people who seek, health, uh, who seek mental health care, many of them aren't interested in committing harm to themselves or anybody else. That's not what they're there for. Right. 
So there's so many people that would be afraid to go. I just need help. I got a problem. I, I can't sleep at night. And, you know, my granddaughter is giving me trouble or whatever. I just need some yeah. guidance there. I can't go now because I'm afraid the guns are going to be the issue. I would say it's a very low amount of people that go because they want to harm somebody or themselves. Exactly. That is that is correct. That is correct. It, it's it's very low. And I do have that statistic somewhere buried in my paper. I want to say it's somewhere around 4.2% of people um, that have thoughts of suicide or homicide, but I, I could be wrong on that. I'd have to dig back through and see. But it is a very small percent of people. So th this is where what the media is doing comes into play. Um, the, the news media has done a really, really good job of tying together mental health concerns and violence. Right. Um, and, you know, we have to think about what is the media's objective? Their objective is to get ratings and sales and stuff, right? Um, they might be reporting truthfully on a particular story, but they're taking it out of the bigger context of things, right? So we recently had another, you know, mass shooting, right? And I'm not going to get into the, the details of that. That's, that's not why I'm here. But the bigger problem is suicide. When you're looking at guns, and harming people walk the talk america does a great job of explaining this right yeah. the news media is going to put out there all about these these shootings the mass shootings where a lot of people are hurt or killed right but the bigger problem is suicide the numbers yeah. are much bigger yes the other thing the media is doing by tying mental health together with um with violence is they're ignoring the fact yeah, that a very, very, very minute percentage of people with mental health concerns are violent at all, like exactly. a very, very right. small proportion. So the media is blowing it way out of proportion. Is it a concern that this happens? Oh, sure. Absolutely. No one wants people to be hurt from, right. you know, car bombs, from guns, from, you know, knives, whatever it might be. Fists. We don't want people to get hurt and die. Correct. But the media is doing a disservice to people by disconnecting the facts. Most people with mental health concerns are just fine. They're nonviolent at all. And we're not talking about, as you were saying, we're not talking about people who are, you know, necessarily like schizophrenic or having uh, hallucinations and stuff. We're talking about people who are like me, stressed. Yes. Or maybe they're having some depression or anxiety. Maybe they're having relationship issues. Maybe yeah, they have a it's hard to handle and they want to talk to somebody about how to work through parenting issues right right we're not just talking about the the very small percentage of people who are violent exactly. but that's what the news media portrays and that's a disservice to all of us absolutely right. it is right well they, they're tying together wrong but anyway I, I, I know we're coming up on time. Do I have a minute to go through some of my constitutional concerns? Yes, please. Yes, that's important. Okay. But we do, we are a little time stressed, but go ahead. Yes. I guess. Yep, yep. Okay, so so in digging through all of this um, and putting my story out there, putting together research and you know bringing together numbers and showing that this, this reporting in New York State is in fact harmful and undermining public health rather than supporting it and protecting people, Right. Um, my purpose is awareness. I want to make people aware. Mm -hmm. We need to take care of each other. We, we need to protect each other from 
you know, unfortunate political agendas. These are people who, in my opinion, are culturally ignorant. Like mm-hmm. people who are law-abiding gun owners basically have, have a culture. Yes. We are safe with our guns. Yes. We are careful with what we're doing. We're, we're not out to hurt people. Exactly. Um, the people who are passing these laws don't understand that. It is cultural ignorance. Yes. Um, okay, so I have a multitude of constitutional concerns around this. Um, okay, one is Second Amendment, of course. This is your your listening audience here, right? <laughs> yes. They're taking away rights, and it's unfounded. You know, the reports yes. are by people who are not necessarily qualified to make the determination, and instead of reporting and stripping your rights away, if they think there's a concern, they should be referring you to a higher level of care to get an appropriate yes. diagnosis and appropriate care. Yes. Right? Immediately. It shouldn't be tro- focusing just on guns if people are truly a risk of harm to themselves to others. There are a multitude of our thing of things in our households yes. that could be used to harm yourself or others. It's not just the guns, right? So if there's really risk of harm, it's completely unfounded to just take away Second Amendment rights. Agreed. You need to care for the individual. So there's one problem. Now let's talk about the First Amendment, okay? Mm-hmm. That's studied by Charter, mm-hmm. the impact of the SAFE Act on people seeking mental health care. People are less likely to be honest with their providers. Okay, yes. so the government's saying, we're going to take your rights away if this, that, and the other thing. And people are like, all right, well, we can't speak freely anymore. Right. Right? Which also means you're not going to get very good health care because you can't speak freely to your provider. So the Fourth Amendment, let's talk about unreasonable search and seizure. There's, in many cases, no probable cause for seizure of personal property with these reports. Again, why? Because nobody, there's no double check on them. Exactly. Somebody who's unqualified to make that diagnosis is filing reports. They may be biased against guns and gun owners. No, there's no independent second opinion. It just goes right up the channel to the state. Mm. Sixth, sixth Amendment. Okay, this information ends up in the criminal justice system. And if one, if you're retaining guns and you're in that system, it's a crime. Oh, but they only tell 1% of the people that they're in the system. So how many, how many long gun owners are out there that are in this system and have no idea? They're criminals, they have guns, but they have no idea. Okay, so 99% of these people have no opportunity to be formed of the accusation, be confronted with the witnesses against them, obtain witnesses in their favor and have defense counsel. That's your Sixth Amendment violation. The 14th Mm -hmm. Amendment, this is a quote from the the 14th Amendment. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law or deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection under the laws. How did I get a day in court and 99% don't? That is not equal protection under the laws. Exactly. And where was your due process before they showed up at your door and deemed you to be oh. somehow unfit to own your own property. Oh, this is great. They didn't show up at my door. I took my gun in my car and brought it to them. Oh, even better. Right. Yes, that's right. Because you're such a threat, you know, that they're yeah, like, hey, when you get around to it, you know, next time you're going I'm to injured. get some eggs and milk, could you just bring that? Because we're really, really scared that you're going to do something. I mean, come on. The whole thing right. Right. is ridiculous on its face. It, it is 
ridiculous. But you know, honestly, in terms, I said we need to take care of ourselves, right? So our common goal as a society should be to create a space where everyone feels comfortable seeking mental health care when they need it, right? Amen. And so in order for us to do that, we got to take away the bias about guns and gun owners. And, and we need to take away stigma against mental health services. And we exactly. need to take away barriers to care, like the safe act reporting. Yes, and I would go absolutely. as far as to say Nick's reporting needs to go too. And that's a whole nother conversation because Nick's mental health reporting varies drastically by state and New York has an agenda and they're reporting stuff that shouldn't be in there. Absolutely. Well, I feel like this is worth a second conversation. We're going to have to least. have a second So yeah. we, uh, we will definitely be um, checking out the, the article that you wrote. Tell me the name of it again. It's called Codified Barriers to Mental Health Care, an example from New York State. So, Sandra, if somebody was in a, a similar situation and wanted to follow you and maybe get some advice, how would they do that? Oh, that is a really, really great, great question. Um, uh, I am not super active on social media. It's just kind of not my thing, but I do have a Facebook page. Um, people have found me there. People have also found me on LinkedIn. Um, other people have found me after they've listened to my podcast or read articles and they've contacted the, the venue and go, how do I reach this person? Um, but, you know, honestly, there, there is a, a group of us and two of us have made our stories public um, and the rest have not um, th that have chat messages going on and we're supporting each other and providing each other with sort of information like, okay, I've been through this process, but I've done this. This is, this is where to go. This is who to talk to. Don't do this because they will use yeah. everything against you. Mm -hmm. Get a lawyer first. Mm -hmm. You know, so we are supporting each other. Um, and you know, what New York's doing is just, it's just so, egregiously wrong i can't even tell you how wrong it is i got my rights back but i'm still at this because they're doing it to other people right it's crazy well sandra thank you so much for fighting back right for speaking up and for sharing your story with us on here today we so appreciate you and if anybody reaches out to us to reach you we will definitely connect you sandra richardson thank you so much thank you for having me Absolutely. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Wow. I what just, a story. Yeah. Just making me more angry that, you know, <laughs> these people that have no, no uh, education on, you know, they're just, they're just throwing people, taking their rights away from people for no reason, just because so it's their agenda. And, you know? and I, I think equally as bad is the barrier she's talking about. So right. the next person that is just kind of in a bad place and look at the world around us, Right. tell me people aren't needing to, you know, unpack through some yeah. talk therapy about how their finances are crumbling around them. It's, and, it's, you know, they're going to go scream at somebody you know? <laughs> well, But right now. We just need to uh, wrap up. We do. And you know what? It's the right day to go, to go howl at the moon, right? Cause it is Halloween. Howl. We are in the studio on, October 31st, 2023. You, and uh, so just to make sense of Danny's unusual trying, apparel. I'm trying to make excuses for the way I dress. I dress like this every day. 
It's scary. Oh, it's spooky. Anyway, um, thank you so much to our an amazing guest, Sandra Richardson. Thank you to Walk the Talk America for the work they're doing and for connecting us with Sandra. Um, no thank you to the politicians of New York. I mean, they constantly do these feel-good, sound-almost-good laws that just do exactly the opposite of what they propose right. to do. Thank you to our amazing listeners all over the planet. Uh, thank you for taking these conversations into your spheres of influence, because the next time you have a friend that's like, oh yeah, well, you know, guns in the hands of crazy people and red flags make sense and yellow flags make sense. It's something brand new I've just learned about, by the way, yellow flags, got to go and look those up. Um, these, they need this some black is why, flag on those people. Black flag. This is why. Sandra is why those things might sound good, but they don't do good. So let's work on finding things that do good. If somebody is not trustworthy to be in public with the rest of us, and you're trusting that they will follow the rule not to go get a gun or to turn in all of their guns, you're wrongheaded in the first place. If, if that person is such a danger, they need to be quarantined away from the rest of us. All right. Um, Really quickly, before we go, we want to uh, talk to you about a company that makes these delicious snacks. They're one of our favorite things to nosh on. Simply Fit Peach Praline. Those are the best. Uh, the company is um, patriothousehold.com forward slash GFR for Gun Freedom Radio. What you can do is you can cut the cord on those big shopping conglomerates that do not share our values. You can go into the system, you can create your uh, shopping list for your shampoo, your um, laundry soap, your lotion, your toothpaste, your delicious snacks, and even- Steak mm, is yummy. Yes, steak and no hamburger. No mistake about that. And all of these things are delivered to your door. You don't even have to get in the car and spend $5 a gallon for gas. It comes to your door. Seriously, we have had uh, several steaks of different kinds from them. And I, I was a little skeptical of meat being delivered to my house. I'm going to tell you, I, I will not go to the grocery store and buy it anymore. I want it's them to so work on getting good. chicken next, but yeah, it um, so it's a good. great organization and they are supporting us. So every order you place a piece of that, a financial piece of that goes to the Second Amendment Foundation, who is out there fighting these battles in the courts all across the nation. And then a little piece of that comes to us to support the work that we do, the traveling that I do to go speak and, and uh, you know, keeps Danny in um, good snacks so he's strong to carry my luggage because that's what he's, yeah. and, you he know, does all the time. And seriously, try it. If you don't like it, let us know why. Absolutely. Patriothousehold.com forward slash G-F-R. All right. Until next time, we are going to pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. I don't know what about New York, though, <clears throat> but uh, and yes, <laughs> pray, pray for, for our leaders, the ones that we don't like, all that stuff. Because mm, you know. the ones we don't like, there's several of them in New York and they need our prayers. Yes, they do. They definitely need, need our prayers. Um, and um Enjoy your Halloween. I know this is going to post long after Halloween is is in the books, but uh, we find it a fun holiday to, you know, be creative with our grandchildren and 
We just love it. So um, until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye-bye.